Hey, welcome to episode 41 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm gonna to talk about how we ought to be moving toward the people that we wanna move away from. Hey, and I'm George, and it's so good to be here. And I really wanna talk a little bit about how we can take this season that we've been in, that's been long and difficult, and really see how God would leverage that to win people over for the gospel. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Uh, George, thanks so much for being on. Man, it is so good to be here. I enjoy this every time. Yeah, no, it's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be fun. And this has just been such a rich um, series that we've been in, and uh, I, I think such a valuable conversation. And probably people listening to Tangible Takeaways are gonna get sick of me saying it, but I mean, Jesus is telling his disciples how to do life without him there physically. Right. Kind of an important conversation for people who are trying to follow Jesus without him yeah. there physically. And if you know you're about to leave, you're going to make sure you just get all those those gems yeah. that you want to depart, you know, you want to give them right before you go, right at the end. So we need to listen. We need yeah. to dig into this. Yeah, it truly is what matters most. Right. And, um, and, and in this section of his prayer that he's in, uh, we kind of broke it up into two different sections. We get to this topic of unity. Um, and kind of two interesting things that he lays out here in this kind of final conversation with these guys where he tells them that people will know that they follow him uh, because of their love and because of their unity. And the rest of the New Testament follows suit. There's nothing really written about more about mm. following Jesus than love and unity all throughout. Right. Um, and we talk about love a lot, but we kind of struggle to talk about unity. Uh, and I think the cracks started to show a little bit over the last couple of years, oh, which yeah. is definitely in my lifetime, the most divided I've seen the church. When you said the cracks show a little bit, I think you're being generous. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, there were some deep divisions right. that we saw over the past couple of years. And my question to you is somebody who's been in church and ministry uh, a lot longer than I've been. Um, is this the most divided you've ever seen the church? Like, is this something that's abnormal? Is this like, Jackson, this comes around every few years. Um, is it something that's like kind of alarming in the division that we've seen over the last couple of years? And what do you think kind of the root was of this recent one? Wow, I definitely think it's alarming. But even as I process through that question, I've been at HCC a lot of years. Yeah. And I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, we were fighting what was then known as the worship wars. Mm. I mean, there was, you know, do you sing out of a hymnal? Can you sing a chorus? Can the drums or guitar be on the stage? Yeah. Or is it Can just you have a, an electric guitar? Exactly. I yeah. mean, those were some big dialogues, and people were leaving churches over those kind of conversations. Uh, it moved in even to a dialogue. Are you a seeker-sensitive church mm. or a seeker-driven church? That, that created some division and disunity. And then even the concept of adding multiple services, is it okay to have a Saturday night church service or do we have to go on Sunday mm -hmm. mornings? And then even during uh, a lot of our tenure, we'd have program conversations. This particular program may have run its course, mm -hmm. but some people were so attached to it and, and didn't want to move on. And what I saw, Jackson, is most of the division and disunity we experienced was all internal. Mm. It had to do with our church structures or programs. And then all of a sudden, this feels so different because now it's kind of being driven by our cultural narrative. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's the things from the culture that impressed upon the church. And that's mm. why I find it alarming. And I find it actually disquieting mm. as we are so divided um, by the same things the culture is divided about. Yeah, yeah, there's almost no um, 
polarization between us and the culture. You really couldn't tell the church apart from the culture because we're times. fighting about the exact same stuff. Right. Whereas before, with your, I mean, those are some great examples of like the worship wars and can we worship on Saturday as well or sometime during the week other than Sunday, those different kinds of conversations. Nobody else culturally right. was talking about that. That was an us thing. Right. And honestly, again, we probably shouldn't have been as divided as we were over no. such small stuff. No. But still, that was kind of within the bubble of what was going on in the church world. But now you've got a lot of division happening culturally, and we're no different. If exactly. not, maybe worse. I thought that was powerful that Pastor Todd pointed out this weekend that maybe we've even been worse than our culture's been in certain areas uh, as far as division goes. So I think when I look at that, like why, why do you think we've transitioned from this kind of, we've got these tensions in the bubble to now you really can't even tell us apart from the culture that we live in because we're fighting about the same stuff. How do you think we got there? Well, I think I've heard the term used so many times. We live, we're living in a post-Christian society. Mm. And sadly, there are so many people that would come to a church, profess that they're followers of Jesus Christ, but then look no different than the culture. And I think some, in some ways, uh, it's just been this slow, slow creep in the mm. church where it's becoming more and more people that maybe give maybe some sort of what I call a nod to God on the weekend, but really don't reflect mm. uh, a genuine uh, salvation experience throughout the week. And I think that's been slowly creeping in. And then this pandemic just accelerated mm. the, the awareness that we aren't living our lives according to what Jesus Christ even mandated for us in Scripture. We're living our life just like the culture. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's you know, we're, that slow shift is how we got there yeah. from getting away from what Jesus said in his word. And man, I, I think, George, shame on us if we miss the wake-up call. Because yeah. in many ways, there was such, um, so many opportunities to kind of wake up to some of the blind spots, some of the things that we were missing. And it's Amen. like, man, let's not miss that anymore. Let's, let's seek to be about him and his kingdom first. And um, I, I think it's maybe natural for us to be really worried about our... Um, our culture and our country becoming a post-Christian culture um, because that's very different than what any of us have been used to in recent right. history. But at the same time, I think for us who live in this Oikos principle, there's got to be something there that we can get excited about because the, the gap between those who truly follow Jesus and the rest of our culture has never been bigger, Right. which means that the obviousness of what it looks like to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus is clear. Right. It's that polarization is good in the sense that it shows people that there truly is a difference to following mm -hmm. Jesus. And I think sometimes in our like in the United States of America, we have struggled to help people see their need for Jesus because we're, you know, it was like, well, we're just all a Christian nation and we're right. just, uh, we're all good people. My grandma was a Christian and I just try to not hurt anybody. And there's no distinction between what it looks like to actually follow Jesus and just to recognize him or think he's a good guy. And so, man, this is a rich opportunity for the Oikos principle to abound right. for those of us who are following Jesus. That is so true because we actually as Christians should not expect unity in our culture. If we really believe that sin is debilitating and sin destroys, then mm. we should totally expect a society apart from God, our culture, not to be unified. But you go back to John 17, and what, what does Jesus say? So that they may be brought to complete unity, mm. talking about us, then the world will know that you sent me. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the world should look at unity and, and say, 
wow, we don't see that anywhere that? else. Yeah. But we see it for those who are in Christ. And so it is a tremendous opportunity for us to be different. And we've gone through this cultural acceleration mm. in the last two and a half or so years. And it has it has created angst, it has created mental health issues, it has created so much disturbance in our community that we do have a perfect opportunity to shine and show that we love each other and that our our conversations aren't driven by the cultural narrative. And the disunity in our cultural, but it's always going back to scripture. Mm. And, and it's not that there aren't things in the cultural narrative that matter, but we have to start in scripture. And yeah. we have to say, hey, even if we might disagree, maybe we're on two sides of a political aisle, yeah. but we love each other so much in Christ mm. that that's what we're known for first before we're known for a certain personal agenda. Yeah, no, it's so good. And I, and I think light shines brightest in the darkness. Yeah. That's Amen. why we see in all of the places where there's intense persecution for the church. We see those churches growing right. rapidly. And so in some ways, I would say, for those of us who follow Jesus, and we're getting a little bit worried about where our culture's going, I would say maybe let's pump the brakes on being so anxious about yeah. it and see it as an opportunity for the gospel to really, for a revival to happen in our country and for people to come to truly follow Jesus and not just say, oh, I'm kind of associated with him. Well, I'll tell you, I just heard a guy speaking on this, Jackson, and he said the last time in his conversation, he said the last time we've seen this kind of society upheaval was in the late 60s. Mm. And we had so many things that came out that were very similar to what we're going through now. But you know what happened in the late 60s is what we called the Jesus movement. Yeah. And thousands of people came to Christ. Yeah. Oh, if that would happen now, if that would happen in 2022 and beyond, I mean, that I so agree with you, that should be our focus. Yeah, let's get our eyes up from our discomfort and see See what Amen. God's up to. Amen. Yeah. No, it's good. And George, in this kind of conversation, we talked about these two markers, love and unity. Um, why do you think those things, Jesus points to those things? I mean, he could have pointed to, I, I think Pastor Todd pointed out really well, he could have pointed to a lot of different things. He could have pointed to our doctrine or our adherence to the truth or just some of those different things, but he points out unity and love. Like, why do you think he picks those as markers of his disciples, that the world will know his disciples by the way that they love and by their unity. I believe, because when you talk about love, and, and again, we need to define the way love the way God does. When mm -hmm. he says love, man, we are loving with the kind of God, love that God has, that he loved us even while we were still sinners. Yeah. He loved us and died for us. We're about to celebrate that. And, and then you think about unity is not unanimity. Mm. We are so different. So the fact that we are extremely different and the fact that we are prone to selfishness means that it is it is normal and it is natural for us to maybe group with people we like who say the same things, who look the same way we do. That is natural and normal. And Jesus' disciples should be anything but. Mm. But that we would aggressively go after those who are marginalized, who are different, mm. who, who don't look like us, yeah. who maybe don't think like us, that we would step across and say, I love you. Mm. Not because I'm comfortable, maybe, not because I think the same way, but because I made a conscious choice because of how much Jesus loved me, that I'm going to love you with that kind of love. Mm. And when we unite together for the purpose of the gospel, it is powerful. Yeah. And I think that kind of love for people who aren't like us, and then even within our own camp of believers, when we make a commitment, George, to say, I won't leave you. Mm. I won't abandon you. 
no matter how challenging this relationship gets, no matter how like challenging our theological conversations get, I won't abandon my brothers and sisters. I think those two things, those are shocking. Right. Because the love that Jesus has for us is, um, you know, we've got that great song, Reckless Love. It's a love that really seems reckless to our world. It's a love that seems kind of so challenging for us to really get our mind around as to why God would love us that way. Right. And then that unity, you can't find unity in anything no. the way that you can find unity in Jesus. Because Jesus and his kingdom, they come first. And when they come first and everything else is structured after that, you can have unity with anybody else who the right. kingdom comes first for too. Exactly. But you can't have that within political parties. No. You can't have that in, hey, we're all Apple users. You can't have that in, we all like this sports team because you vary in all the other things. Right. And so even if anything else comes first for you, for other people that that comes first for them, you're going to get all hairy after that. But with the kingdom, when the kingdom comes first in my life, when the kingdom comes first in anybody else's life, there ought to be no reason that we can't find Amen. unity together. I think if you or I have a personal agenda, we have no unity. Mm. When you have a personal agenda, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your politics, whether it's in your workplace, you will not have unity. Mm. But when you have the one agenda we've been given, the sake of the gospel, yeah. there's where you find unity. Yeah, and submission to it. Amen. Unity is found in that submission. Right. And I think that's what's so challenging in the church and very interesting over some of the conversations we've had in the last few years in the church over this issue of not wanting to submit mm -hmm. this kind of tension in our spirit that we don't want to submit and it really begs the question like well where are we submitting if right. we as christians don't want to submit to x y or z right. are we submitting to jesus like is that if this is that challenging for us are we even in a habit naturally of submitting to jesus because if we're not there's not going to be any unity there well, and think about it. we're about to, you know, we're marching right up to Good Friday mm -hmm. and Easter. And when you think of Paul's word, words where he said, I have been crucified yeah. with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. You focus on that cross and what Jesus Christ went through because he had one agenda. Mm that we could be saved, that we could spend eternity with God, that is laser focused. Yeah. And then Paul says something. He wasn't even saying in that moment that he was literally being crucified. So what was he crucifying? Well, his own personal agenda, yeah. his own idea of how his life ought to run, his own idea of how other people should operate toward him. He said, I have been crucified with Christ so that I could have that same unity, that same laser-focused agenda, agenda that others mm. would know Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him raised again on the third day and find eternal life in Him. Yeah, no, it's so good. And I, and I do think, again, those things are so shocking to our culture. Mm. And some people, it's going to be a, a, an immediate turnoff. Yeah. It's going to feel really weird to them. And that's, that's great. I, I think if it causes any reaction in them, it should, be, it should cause a reaction in them. It Other should. people are going to say, man, that's what I've been looking for. Exactly. And those are the people that the Spirit's been working in and prepping them for that moment. And the seeds in their life are ready to, to bear fruit. And they're ready to come. Right. And so, man, I just think what a, what a powerful marker for us. And what a convicting thing for us who want to follow Jesus. Oftentimes, we measure that by uh, what we're doing for Him. We measure it by how good am I at doing my devotions in the morning or my church attendance or my serving or whatever it is. But man, we should hold no two markers higher in our life than how am I loving and how am I not finding the unity, but like we talked about this weekend, keeping the unity. 
God's already given us everything we need. How am I loving? How am I keeping the unity? Those should be our questions. Pastor Todd said to nurture it. Yes. Yeah. No, No, it's, that's good. And George, last but not least, I think what's interesting to me is unity is a great uh, thought. It's beautiful to think about. It's uh, kind of a cool picture that you can see of like, man, all these people who don't belong in the same room together, mm-hmm. coming to the feet of Jesus and Amen. all being together unified. Um, but then you actually get in the room and it is uncomfortable. Yeah. It's awkward. It doesn't always feel like easy. Sometimes it feels like the, the gears are grinding a little bit. When we get into the nitty gritty of it, all of a sudden, unity can be the first thing that goes out the window. It can be the first priority that goes out the window. How do we practically nurture that unity? I love that phrase, to nurture it. How do do we practically do that in our own lives, though? You know, uh, there are so many things. You know, by continuing to be filled by God's Holy Spirit, be in His Word, be in prayer. But then I believe, you know, have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, um, I'm going to go to church someday if I feel like it. Mm. And you're like, well, you're probably never going to go to church because yeah. you need your obedience to precede your feelings about it. And trust God that he'll bring your feelings. And I was I was in a little church in the South. Um, it was an African-American church. And um, we were actually the first Caucasian people to be in this church. The pastor invited wow. me to speak. It was this huge thing. And he asked us to hold hands all around the circle. Mm. And to pray. And so when you greeted someone in that church, man, you hugged, you kissed, you greeted, and we held hands. And then the pastor looked at us and said, you look at your brother to the left, and then you look at your sister to the right, and you look him in the eye and you say, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about that. Mm. And I thought to myself, that's where we start, by Mm. making those conscious, volitional decisions that I love you, and there's nothing you can do about that. I need to be reminded of that. And even that simple prayer, holding hands in that church in the South, um, in Waveland, Mississippi, Hmm. I will never to this day forget that. Hmm. To look a brother and sister that I really didn't know in the eye and say, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about that. That verbally attests to something that maybe my spirit's not ready for yet in the situation. Maybe it's your marriage. Hmm. Maybe it's a coworker that you just don't like. Hmm. But by making those statements and trusting the Holy Spirit to change your heart, I I think that can be so powerful. Yeah, I I just think, George, we got to get so much more comfortable with things that make us uncomfortable. Exactly. If you're following Jesus and you're comfortable, you're not following Jesus. And I think that's got to be, like, that has to be sending off all kinds of alarm signals in you. If everything in your life is cushy and you never disagree with Jesus, I don't think you're following him. Right. Because it seems like even his own disciples who spend three years with him, he'll say stuff that they're like, what? What did you just say? Like, we have to do what? Right. And that's what following Jesus is, is this kind of you never really arrive, so you're just not going to be comfortable, not here. In eternity, there's going to be that completion. But here, there's just no arrival, so you're just kind of continually uncomfortable all throughout your life. And the moment that you start to get comfortable, you ought to look to like, man, am I following Jesus? Because if I am, I don't think I'm going to be comfortable. And unity... I think the first reason that we abandon it is because it does get uncomfortable. Right. Because we want to run back to the people who think like us, act like us, vote like us, whatever it is. We want to run back to that comfortable space. Right. But God keeps pushing us to say, no, 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 I, I don't get to decide who I'm bound to. There's this, um, there's this great, uh, beautiful image that Paul has of, of 
Christ coming and ransoming us. And as he ransoms us, he brings us back. But when he brings us back, the image that Paul's using is this image that would happen a lot of times in war where all the captives who would be brought back, they'd be bound to one another. They'd be bound to the like leader bringing them into the city and they'd be bound to one another. And I think all too often, we want to be bound to Jesus because Jesus is great. We love Jesus. But then we look to our right and our left and we don't like yeah. who's there. Yeah. And so for whatever reason though, we seem to think that we can just kind of unhook from that chain of people who are bound to Jesus and just go bind ourselves to Jesus. Right. When Jesus gives us no other option, if you're bound to him, you're bound to his people. And I think we, we are way too comfortable separating that in our world right now. And we need to say, no, 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 if I'm bound to Jesus, I'm bound to his people. I wonder what it would look like right now if a takeaway was that when you, maybe people listening right now are thinking of that one person or those people, man, they just do not like mm. and do not you know, want to spend any time with. When they see them coming, you turn away and go the other direction. What is the step toward? Mm. Yes. You know, that, that awkward person, that frustrating person, whoever it is, what is your step toward that person? Yeah, no, that's a great action step, George, because that distance that's where you can make, when you're at a distance from somebody, you can make all kinds of assumptions about them. You can jump to all kinds of conclusions about them and you can really vilify them. It's when you get close to them, if right. you can't find one thing that you like about someone when you get close to them, that says more about you than it, it does It sure about does. It sure like, does. That's a you Because that's an image bearer of God. Yeah. So how can you not say at least one thing? Yeah. There's got to be one redeemable thing. And when you find one, you find two. Right. When you find two, you find three. Right. And all of a sudden you just realize, man, this is just another person made in the image of God who is following him imperfectly, just like I am. Who's flawed like who's me. Who's flawed like me. And man, I, I have no right to distance myself right. from them. And so, man, what a great action step this week. And I don't even think there's, I think that is, like, I love what Pastor Todd said this weekend, repent and then move towards. Right. I think that's that's how you start in unity. Mm-hmm. You repent of where you've been distancing from other people, where you've been cutting people off, and then you start moving towards those people. Right. Because thank God Jesus moved towards us. Amen. That's a great example. Yeah. So... Thanks so much, George. You're I welcome. always love getting to talk with you. I do too. Just I love it, time. Jackson. Thank yeah. you. No, and hopefully you got a tangible takeaway out of that conversation. And as always, we'd love to know in the comments if you've got one uh, from this week's message. Uh, and don't forget, uh, maybe share this video with a friend to like it and uh, subscribe so that you'll get future updates about videos coming up soon because we got these coming out every week. Uh, that's all we've got for tangible takeaways this week. We'll catch you guys next week.